Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, episode 99. I'm Nick Holt. I'm Single White Medusa. We're drinking a Turkish latte this afternoon after getting a whole bunch of work done around the house, getting an innumerable amount of posters. I mean, they could have been numeraled. Yeah. But, <laughs> but when I laid them all out and I knew all the things we had to do today, I was like, well, what have I done? <laughs> That was a big project. But they all got signed. They are off and running to the Galaxy's Edge uh, and Forgotten Ruin audience. The Forgotten Ruin posters, which are beautiful. The uh, Contracts and Termination Tyrus Rex poster is probably one of the greatest pieces of art I've ever been involved in. And the GE Lead Season Series books where uh, uh, Ace and Keel look so, you know, Luke Perry. You know, if Luke Perry had been a space mercenary yeah. looking off, you know, well, he assumes the mantle of Tyrus Rex. Mm-hmm. You can almost hear him saying, like, I'm cool with that, Bren. <laughs> it was a Brenda he dated, the Shannon Darty. Uh-huh. Yeah. That was it's Brenda. weird to think that Luke Perry is dead. I know. That was so weird and I thought seemed to be unexpected. But, um... Like, what is... Did we ever, like, find out for sure what the cause of death was? It was a stroke. I do like, think that there were some drogas pills involved, but... Um, drogas is drugs. He seemed like a very nice person. Uh, I'd heard a couple of stories that he was kind of on the wild side a little bit, but, you know, I don't know. You know, who knows? I, re- I know. I heard those two at the same time. I forget if those were, like, recent or back in his 90210 kind of days. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Does it did did nine zero two one zero ever stop for Luke Perry? Well, maybe not in his head. I don't know. He kind of seemed to be the character. Yeah. Yeah. Know? And the character seemed to have some problems. Yeah, that's true. One of the most interesting stories I think about Luke Perry that's that's so uh, so very Hollywood in a lot of ways, but really not because when like you and I talk about Hollywood, how nepotistic it is. Because like mm-hmm. scratch deep enough, and everybody's related to somebody. Yeah. You know, and really that's crazy. that's how you get in. But his story is kind of interesting, and may not maybe the exception to the rule, in that he goes to Hollywood to become an actor, and like all actors, you got to get a you got to get a side gig, got to get a hustle. So he gets into blacktop paving for a service, and the year before he works on 90210. He paves the blacktop for the school that they will shoot at. That is so crazy. I forgot that. Yeah. I think you told me that. Like, what are the odds? That's so cool. Yeah, exactly. That's crazy. Yeah, I like... That's a good story. That's a nice story. story. That's a story we can all relate to. It's probably all bullshit, but you know what? Hey. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Speaking of bullshit. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, czars. Because uh, uh, that's a term that's, that's, and you know, Bill Maher recently got hot on word usage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Bill Maher is beginning to have this sort of, um, the awakening. Bill Maher is, he may not, he may not want to admit it, mm-hmm. but he may have purchased a box of hot tamales or red hots, whichever you prefer to call them, at the uh, counter instead of getting the good and plenties when he was seeing Dune. Good and plenties is very much the blue pill. You know what yeah. I mean? But Red Hots. I liked Red Hots. Those were cool. I do not like either of those Hot, tamale, hot tamales yeah. and Red Hots. Well, Ugh. Red Hots. I think I think Red Hots kind of had a green. They were green and red. But Hot Tamales were like pure red. And then it was fun to like suck all the food coloring out. And then 
Oh, so what color were they underneath? Just like, Just like gelatin, sugar oh, gelatin. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, those were not my thing. Yeah, I think um, he just listed eight words that um, I'm trying to see like how to describe it, but that like he wants people to stop redefining. Like he wants liberals to stop redefining um, from what they really mean. And like the words were, whoops, oh no, I pushed play. <laughs> it w- never mind. <laughs> I was gonna read them, but I. I pushed the wrong thing. And it's some pro-level podcasting I know. going on there. <laughs> I know. Don't don't let the cumulus network steal you away from me. Okay, I got it again. Hate, victim, hero, shame, violence, survivor, phobic, and white supremacy. I'm especially glad yeah, that because, he said the white supremacy right, one, that he would go Because there. we know, like, like let's walk through them one by one. Mm-hmm. What's the first one? Like, it's covered up, but I think it says hate. Hate. Yeah, I mean, like, it's funny. Like, I remember the first time I encountered someone telling me not to use the word hate. Oh, right. And I was, I was, I was, I was working on it. I said, oh, I just hate that thing. And they're like, don't use that. Don't use that word hate. You know, like, it, and it's funny how, and this, I was a younger kid. I was working with at a job. Hmm. And, and I thought that was so odd that he would tell me not to use hate. But, you know, it was funny how hate began to be redefined as, like, well, hate is anything that is critical of what we believe in. Yeah. We can exactly. be infinitely hateful about your bigotry and racism because we've laid the groundwork that whatever you believe is really bad, but whatever we believe, if you question or criticize it or if like and and it was funny like you really can go back and look at the entirety of the past 10 years and really 12 years, 14 years starting with Barack Obama who you know, I always thought Clinton was really the downward spike in, in America, especially because, you know, he did what he did uh, with Monica Lewinsky and then quibbled over the definition of the word is. And I thought, you know what, that that's a that is a that is a signal a signature that that was the high water of American culture, as in not that was as far as the water of morality was allowed to rise and what Clinton did was signal that you could just be like this pretty awful person, but as long as you presented well and you could quibble and 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 kind of like, you know, uh, never fully accept responsibility for your actions or anything like that, you could weather. And and, and but then you you come to Obama, who became a master, um, and again had plenty of air cover because he is a created cult creature. Like I don't think. Uh, Barack Obama is smart enough to have become Barack Obama. I think he's clever. I think he's definitely clever. I don't think he's smart. I think he's clever, and I think he learns, uh, which is a Trump feature too. Trump is clever and learns, but with Obama, there was definitely a marketing brand behind Obama. And like a good person, like a good sports star or a good actor, Obama listened to his marketing department. And it took Clinton time to listen to his marketing department um, because Clinton in a lot of ways like is worse than Obama. Clinton was his own worst enemy because of his behavior. Obama doesn't actually seem, you know, I think I think that there are hints that there is a secret life that Obama leads. Um, and I and I feel like that they learned from the mistakes of Clinton and made sure that that secret life never surfaces and is completely protected. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Obama, if if the suspicions are right, has played within the parameters, which is what you've got 
to do to maintain your brand which is scumbaggery of the highest order if you believe in it so much why don't you just shout it out from the roofs why don't you just shout like i'm gay and i love it not saying yeah. that obama's gay but i'm just using that as an example <laughs> that barack a obama there's a random yeah. example that obama could say i'm gay and i love it but he chooses not to say not not that he's not gay you know but like whatever that secret life that he has living in that secret love shack outside a predominantly gay enclave of palm desert and palm springs whatever that lifestyle is i don't know maybe he's a model trainer you know like he likes <laughs> he loves to make model trains and he just figures a little too nerdy for the culture i think he could be open with model trains <laughs> see what i did there yeah i didn't that's catch the it kind of pro level show you get here sorry <laughs> volume spike i had some coffee <laughs> oh my gosh so yeah, and then the next victim, since we're playing this game of you, uh, breaking it down, word association, and yeah, breaking it down for us is victim. Right now we're doing these Tabata workouts with this this guy and guy? like this girl, and and she has this guy who counts down the Tabata thing, and like he's a black guy and or a Marky Mark kind of guy, like 1990s. He's probably black, but yeah. yeah, and and he's like one or five, four, three, two, one, and you can almost hear him add like bitch at the end of it you know like and i love it i crave the abuse <laughs> but that's because i learned to pt in the army and i enjoy that kind of level of abuse exactly yeah. you should work harder yeah <laughs> so yeah so what are your what's thoughts the next on, one on the word victim did we, did we do the word victim yet? victim why don't you i mean people don't really come to the show for nick cole they come for the medusa <laughs> what does the Medusa think about victim? Because you've actually had some experience here where uh, you were able to turn the tables against them in a certain way. Which one at the opera? Yes. When I had the incident with the clarinetist? Yes. That was partly your incident. <laughs> well, I may have been involved in these things. I am. They do call me chaos actual for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Uh, do I say it? Do I tell the story? Yeah, okay. why not? So, Who cares? It's not like the opera's listening to this. No, I just... They're too busy, like, in a fetal position with the sads. Yeah. Um. So, we're walking... Well, we're in a uh, an opera. I'm in an opera, and it's one where, actually, the singers were not going to be on stage, like, acting and singing. We were just... Um, oh, I know why. Because we were going to be in the orchestra pit with the instrumentalists just doing the singing from there because actually on stage I, I just remembered was like a uh, dance just, like just tell the story okay. forward <laughs> dancers it was tell, like a ballet you're doing or that thing where you're backing up and you're this trying is to why i was like are you sure you want oh me to tell the story oh my gosh just so, tell the story forward so we're singing back there and this clarinet guy is being a real jerk and it, it wasn't even me that was directly behind him i was a little ways over but Basically, he's making faces of like, oh, my ears, you know, and stuff like that. And like making a big old scene that like the singers were hurting his little ears and stuff like that. Um, but that can also be like rude and kind of hurt a singer's feelings. You know, I know that, that like, for a fact that it can because you singers are so emotionally fragile and you and I know what mean things like most people don't know. There are people usually in every audience that do mean stuff to you to make sure you see it mm -hmm. and kind of screw with you, like plugging their ears and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Because they think, because they were in the high school choir, you know, that they're some sort of, you know, undiscovered great talent. And meanwhile, you, 
who are earning money professionally as a singer at the highest levels, you you somehow need to be told that you're you're flat or you whatever, blah blah blah. And I yeah. forget he was even doing things like maybe wrapping his scarf around his ears. He was like he brought like some plastic shield the next day and was like shielding. I don't know. He was like doing See, all kinds of crazy I would have helped stuff. out in my own Nick Cole way. I would have just double knotted his jacket around each fist and then I would have um, basically wrapped it around his throat and pulled with my knee in the center of his back until he turned blue in the face and then I would say does that help yeah exactly oh but now as I'm remembering it the really jerky thing that he did is he turned around and he had a big old like made a big scene and had an argument with the singer that happened to be behind him which was our friend George who is a very nice man George and he was really really pedantic and mean and rude to George like like so much so that I looked over at um like the assistant chorus master that was like in charge of us and even his like all of our jaws were like on the ground because we couldn't believe how rude this guy was being to George like so rude so anyway and then, that made and me then, really mad that he was so rude to George so I told Nick about it actual entered the chat yeah so I told you about it after the fact yeah. and then the next day or so <laughs> we're walking in and I see him, so I just want to—I just want to show Nick who the guy is. So I was like, "Hey, I was like, that guy over there. That's the one that was really rude to Georgia." Sorry, I talked too quietly. You're, you so, were in the moment. You I were was. acting. You were acting. <laughs> and um, who am I with? Is that—is that, is that <laughs> Meryl, Meryl Streep right there? <laughs> and um, hey, Dad, why don't you shut up? <laughs> so I just thought that Nick would enjoy seeing the little mini Hitler. Yes. Uh, but no, like Nick just <laughs> I was like, not satisfied. Bam! Nick just says something. Like before, he doesn't say what like, he... "Hey, do you mind if I like say something to him?" Yeah. No, he just like blah, and he says like, uh, "I'm not gonna say what you really said, but like, really loudly, he says like, that guy, that guy over there, that's the one." But he he said a few choice names instead choice. of just that guy over there. Um, that you Nick did not like call him character. guy. You called him that something else. But anyway, so that happens. And I forget, was there an incident? Did he engage at that point? I know he engaged with me once again. Uh, he, did he, he engage with you? He tried to, like, um, he wouldn't leave the protection of the building, but he tried to act like, you know, like, if I wanted to repeat myself. Oh, right. And I make it a habit of not repeating myself. So mm-hmm. I just kept on moving. You That's you right. you heard it the first. I think I said you you heard it the first time. Yeah. yeah. And you know it's true, you little panty waste. Yeah. And so I just kept on moving, and then I you I pick you up later, and it's turned into a whole thing. Yeah. So I walk in, and he's shortly behind me, or for some reason he's there when I walk in by the guard shack, and he says like, "Why did your boyfriend, you know, say that to me, or whatever?" And I was like, "It's not my boyfriend. He's my husband." And I was like, "Because." You've been really extremely rude, and it's not You're back cool. in the moment again. You yeah. are acting again, Meryl. <laughs> like, literally, your eyes are wide open, and you're, you're doing the Latina head and and snapping. So I don't remember exactly what I said, but I let him have it. You did. And, uh, and so that was that. And then, let's see. I think, was it later? Probably later that day. He demanded an apology. Yeah. Or, he demanded So later that day or the next day, um, it became a whole thing union reps involved um i had to get a big old talking to and it was a huge thing and it was like 
you're going to have to do an official apology. And, you know, oh, no, they were going to write me up. Like, they were going to get me in trouble. And but I was, didn't do and anything. I kept saying, like, I didn't do anything and I couldn't control what Nick said because, he, like, he just did Ask it. Like, my before mom. I could say, hey, don't do that. And so I'm like, you can't really punish me. So anyway, it's back and forth and they don't know. Like, they don't know if they're going to write me up. So I think then that night we decide to write a letter. We decided to write a letter. And, you know, this was the culmination that we, like, the the opera and the culture in LA was becoming steeped in in the double speak meaning of words the people of color and the trigger spaces and things like that mm-hmm. so we decided to craft a letter using their own words yes so we would and never seriously normally use these no, words no, and we, phrases we but use we them thought hey comedy. let's use them against them and see and, what happens. yeah and so basically we wrote this letter how you know he he violated Nicole's safe space, and she felt triggered and by his and, toxic masculinity. by his toxic masculinity. <laughs> and she is a strong great. like it was like a clown letter, <laughs> you know, person so of color and all these kinds of things. <sighs> and and it is like the, the what I'm saying here and why we're telling the story is those who live by the sword will die by the sword. We took their own words and used them against them, and immediately the tenor and tone changed. Yep. And immediately he was the guilty party. He was the enemy. He was not getting satisfaction. And don't worry, we, we won't write you up. We, we won't, won't write you. This is you are you like and it, it's like when you play these games for power, which that side is doing. If some devious, crafty, low you know person who, like street fighter, you know person who just cheats constantly at everything, like Nicole and I, we can come and use your your stuff against you, and that's why. You shouldn't play those games. You shouldn't do those things. Words should just mean what words mean, like Bill Maher is saying. Like, and they've taken everything. You know, like everything is co-opted and bent for them. But these are not the meanings uh, of words. You know, like just because you're a mom and you're you don't want your kid to get the vaccine does not mean that you are a white supremacist, does not mean that you are filled with hate. Just because you say to somebody, hey, I disagree with your your lifestyle choices, but you could make them all you want, but eh, it's not for me and I don't think you should be teaching my kid. That is not hate. That is that is not that's not a victim. All those words in there. What were the words again? You know, like, like shame is another one. Shame, like, like yeah, shame like is good for you. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But you guys crazy. use that, but it's like no, like you know, like especially with fat, like people, it should be pointed out. Like, no, I don't think you should be mean to anybody. No. That's that's a whole thing. But but when you say it's not healthy, they even say that they that's go, fat yeah, shaming. It's yeah. like, well, it's not fat shaming. It's just like a fact that there's a lot of health problems involved with. That. But that moves me to the topic of czars. Okay. Because what you see, and and I and I know there might be examples in sort of right wing administrations or whatever. But have there have there been any right wing administrations since Trump? And you know the argument could be made at times was Trump right wing. Yeah, for the most part he was. Uh, George Bush. I don't know. I guess we're beginning to think not so much. Right. You know, uh, the Bushes, no. I mean, maybe back to Reagan and stuff like that. But but this czar thing. You know, okay, well, does anybody know what czar means? Do you know what czar means? Hmm. Well, it, didn't you tell me before It's a. Um, it comes from the word Caesar? It comes from right? the word Caesar, yeah, and it's a right. Russian term for leader. And though it's not associated with communism, it does come from sort of like the foremost implementer of that failed system in history. Um, and, and I don't like it no. because it's not an official term. 
And it's a way to give a government bureaucrat this sort of royal-esque power to do whatever they want. And so today they made a new czar. Yeah. Yeah. I have to remember and, what that and, was. And I don't like that. And and the, the interesting thing is I don't think Trump had any czars. Trump put people on projects. I mean, first off, no one should have ever thought around Trump that they were going to be around long enough to be a czar because that guy fires like a bodily function. But mm-hmm. fires people. But I don't like the term czar. It's so this sort of left speak, double socialism, um, empowering people who are at many times either ideological implementers or, you know, people who have done the good work of destruction of the the destruction of America and the American voting system and freedom of speech and all the things that American stands for. And now they're now they're rewarded with sort of this pen ultimate power to the president to act in 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 this sort of very like overarching, you know, way and, and set policy. And it's like nobody, that is the president's job. You you should not we are we did not vote for Kathleen Sebelius to be the czar. We voted for Joe Biden to work. And apparently Joe Biden don't work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so what it was is the Pentagon will add a climate policy czar. Yeah, again, that's another thing. Like, there is no position. There, Everybody has all these jobs and things like that. But when you make a czar specifically for those things you're, you're basically setting the tenor in tone and you're giving that person like all this power that that hasn't actually been reposed into the elected officials and that's one of the things that needs to change in the next government that's coming and i do think there is a new government coming but we've got to get away from these sort of ideological government positions that think that they can shape the future of society the society should be shaped by the people in society not by the whims of of princeling royalty yeah and the point also is that they're adding that to the u.s military so that was kind of the extra eye-rolling part of like like this article from the daily wire says biden and men to add a climate policies are to the u.s military while china builds hypersonic missiles yeah pointing out like how stupid they're like the stupid stuff they're doing with our military compared to what our maybe enemy countries are doing, which is more normal military stuff. <laughs> so it's like, yikes, that's scary. But then we're going to move, I think, to topic number two, speaking of military and war. What was the second topic we had? Uh, do you mean the Prince Charles speech, yeah. which was kind of sounding rather militaristic? Yeah, I mean, I think um, uh, it seems apparently that they expect the either abdication or the death of the queen imminently. And it feels like um, Prince Charles and Prince William are now rolling out their special sort of, you know, like they're definitely being brand introduced at COP26. Let's also just back up the the, the big giant climate change uh, thing in in um, Glasgow is called COP26. Um, it's interesting that they would call it COP. That's very like, you know, well, we all know what a cop is. And in the English language, it's it's all across the UK. Copper cop, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. You, you definitely like, again, they telegraph all the messages and everything like that. Um, 400 jets to fight climate change, 86 limo convoys. You know, these are people like in the history of the last two years in which everything was deemed a Zoom meeting necessary. You would think that a climate change would be the most Zoom meeting required of all. <laughs> I know. You know, so but cute. no, no, we've all. And why do they have to get it together? Well, 
I think they get together because they want to, and it shows power, and it's the circle, and it's we're returning to the sort of 17th century Dauphin France where, you know, the worthies all have to hustle after the nobles and the kings and, and feel all those things. And I think there's the darker cabal shit, you know, and, and, and the compromising and the black eyes, if you, we should get into that sometime. But yeah. <laughs> do I think that stuff goes on? Yeah, more and more every day. Yeah, I think it goes on. So, um, so Prince Charles, who has always been very climate change, you know, that's not a new thing for him. That's mm-hmm. been a long, you know, but is basically an idiot, you know. And and it's funny, like I've listened to biographies of people who've run into them, like even a Monty Python player biography and they fawn over you and they try to go to great lengths to tell you how much how funny he is and how much he appreciates humor but then the anecdotes and stories they tell you he's like he sounds like a total knob Mm -hmm. you know and so um you know here's a guy that's been allowed to fly fighter airplanes and command a minesweeper and all these kinds of things but he has the sads he's always had the sads his whole life and now he's smiling because he's finally got within his reach the power of being the king, which we're all told has no power. The queen has no power. The king has no power and everything like that. Except his dad and himself, Prince Charles, have been constantly talking about world depopulation. There's a famous quote from his dad saying that he wishes that there were reincarnations so that he could come back as a virus and kill large sections of the population. Mm-hmm. That's evil. But then you watch the queen which I do believe is propaganda to make you think that they're powerless. That show goes to great lengths to make you think that they're powerless. Um, and then there was the episode the last season where he has sort of this religious experience. And I hate, mm. I hate the way they, they speak like this. I know, me too. They all speak like they're on the verge of pushing out their words like this and blah, blah, blah. They need a good throat punch. Yeah, I like and most I nominate me for punching Prince Charles right in the fucking throat. Whoa. Yeah, I'd do that in a heartbeat. Yeah, I like most British accents, but for some reason, the way they they, they talk on that show, the Prince Philip and Charles, especially, like the one that you just did, <laughs> I don't like that. Well, well you can go back. <laughs> like, Actually, it's interesting. Um, all British speech is very affected. A mm-hmm. um, hundred years ago, uh, they affected that form of speech. Because if I get it right, um, their speech was actually more like low Londoner and they didn't want to be associated with the commons. So they specifically started speaking in this sort of using the royal, the, the royal lisp and things like that and certain things. Hmm. Um, but it, it's a very their speech pattern. They're always shifting their speech pattern so as not to speak like commoners. And so it, it's really weird. And then the commoners kind of like follow along or the middle class follows along and then they require like a, 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 a speech shift because that tells you everything about them mm-hmm. right there. So Charles makes his grand debut uh, again. He's made several debuts. Like the one, the one of the wonderful things that I think about what I'm about to say is like the royal family is incredibly good at screwing things up. Mm-hmm. You know, like really, I mean, maybe, maybe it's all disinfo. I don't know. But um, Charles gives a speech yesterday in which he likens uh, climate change and the response to climate change to the pandemic and the lockdowns and says, I think verbatim, this is what we need for climate change. And then goes on to say, we need to treat this like a military operation and go to a warlike response for climate change. 
Now, since this episode is about words, let's let's kind of talk about that. Yeah. Like, like, and it, and 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 again, when I I jumped on Twitter this morning and and social media, there was no coverage of it, and you would think that the the shortly to be king of England who were constantly told has no power, yet is now addressing the G20 and all the players. Uh, 400 jets, 86 limo caravans, Jeff Bezos, big picture day of Jeff Bezos and and, um, Prince William, you know, starting a new foundation that they're all in, in on. And uh, Nicole thinks she spotted Lauren Sanchez. I'm pretty sure. Like, she was sort of facing <laughs> away, but she had, like, really toned arms and yeah. the long, dark hair and yeah. tan. And, like, I'm, I'm If you don't know sure who Lauren Sanchez her. is, she's the hooch that ruined uh, Bezos' marriage. Yeah. He wanted to inhale her. <laughs> She'd inhaled several Lakers when she was a local weather girl here. Um, so, uh, anyways... Um, Good luck telling me that Prince Charles is powerless when all the most powerful people in the world show up to hear him speak. Yeah, what I just had the thought of as far as are the royals powerless or powerful, um, because I know what you mean, and people say, oh, yeah, it's just ceremonial, you know, their positions. Well, okay, maybe that's kind of technically true, but maybe it's that their power is really how wealthy they are. And as we know, like, in general the wealthiest people are the most powerful. So maybe they're powerful because of that, not because of their royalty positions. I don't know. What do you think? Well, I think, I think it's a lot of things, but there has long been a theory that, that the um, English empire basically um, turned everything over to America in order to sort of let them absorb the blow of the damage and the cost, but really sort of ran things and manipulated things behind the scene and that the Royal family, it's all kind of a con and a ruse. But it like I, I, maybe that's true. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But I find it very interesting that all the richest people in the world and the most powerful go to hear Prince Charles talk about the need for lockdowns and everything that you experienced through the quote unquote pandemic pandemic. Um, you need that for climate change. So they want to go to days when you can go out. Uh, they want to reduce your ability to travel. They can travel. Obviously, we can see, but but you're going to have reduced travels, and they're going to do that through the carbon tax climate credit thing, which it's interesting. The sort of clearinghouse on carbon tax credit, when you look at apparently who owns it and everything like that, it's them. It's Obama. Mm-hmm. It's Blair. It's, uh, it's Prince Charles. It's all these sort of like heavy hitter investors that will be running the stock market and investing and profiting off it off the carbon exchange. And so as I understand it, and this sounds crazy to me. They will be able to tie your carbon footprint to your daily life, as in you will have to pay to pay in carbon tax credits to drive your car, to leave your house, to eat the food that you want to eat. And again, all that will be run through an exchange in which they sort of run and profit as investors in and things like that. So, I, I again, it, it's interesting. Um, they had a big, I guess, red flag drill. Uh, this weekend about the queen dying so they they must sense that it's imminent Um, or at least abdicating apparently she's losing her marbles according to some reports Um, and they called it operation london bridge is falling down since when has that stopped? london bridge yeah since when has that stopped a world leader yeah exactly yeah yeah hey ask america (laughs) 
our, our, our Joe Biden could say, I lost my marbles. Ask me how, you know? And, um, so, uh, they had a bridge, they had an operation walking through the procedure in the daily mail basically said all, so they, they seem imminent about that, but it's interesting because this is the moment that Charles has salivated for. And again, we're all told, oh, it's just salad. You know, you just you, you just judge the horsies at the dairy fair and you do these things. And it's like, yeah, but why are you talking to Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates and, you know, George Soros and all these kind of people? It's very interesting. Um, there was there's a little bit of subtext that's interesting. And I, I don't again, I, I think sometimes it feels from our perspective that they're all on the same side but if you look close enough there are different factions and between those factions the seams are starting to appear the biggest faction was china and the globalists i think until about six months ago or until the election of biden really about six months ago um and elections we're going to use air quotes on biden president asterisk president ass strict strict <laughs> um the china the the china's the chinese were all in on the globalist agenda and then i think it got made abundantly clear to them that the globalists were going on without china that the grand sort of uh i think china was told like oh and we'll all be phasing out to your superior you know surf and oligarchical mass you know master system and china in its usual thing said you know great we'll be able to um put uh you know people on all your boards and uh invest in all your like we'll be we'll be making decisions in all your companies so that's great and big tech and globalism knew all along like we already tire of this so i think there was some shenanigans in china with the energy thing i think the bitcoining was interesting how it pulled out of china all at once they had some weather problems hey let's go to crazy town there is a weather machine probably and so China's having a really hard go of it. Suddenly the real estate structure begins to collapse. And Xi um, begins to call George Soros the most evil man in the world. So that tells me there's a faction. There were two factions there, both playing on the same side. And both factions are now butthurt about each other. There is another interesting faction that's kind of very low key, but it, it might be the most dangerous one. And that's the sort of Rothschilds faction, which has been around for a long, long time. And they're very, there's some interesting, interesting things about the Rothschilds. Um, supposedly Macron is a Rothschilds banker, so he's probably in their uh, hands. The new sort of great reset, the cabal, that I think they were all kind of in on. Um, that is as I understand it, a creation of Klaus Schwab um, and uh, Prince Charles. And I do believe that probably Gates and Soros are, are, are invested in that and a few other, I've heard the name Paul Munger, things like that kind of in that. But as I understand it, that might be counter to the Rothschild's sort of um, interests. And so they're, they're, because the Rothschild's right now, like if you believe the big conspiracy theories and everything like that, they're kind of they're kind of the the ones in charge mm -hmm. and i don't know that they're but their their power might be based on a more traditional economy and things like that and power structures they're very dangerous people in a lot of ways um 
and I don't know that the Great Reset is their plan, and it's definitely, you know, Klaus Schwab and his Klingon Depopulation Award uniform and Bill Gates and things like that. So there are at least three factions right now. And, and again, as I have said before, I don't think you should think that these three factions are all going to go into the future in which all of us are wiped out. And they're like, great, we've all accomplished our goals. Now let's all just be a little neighborhood. No, these are narcissistic sociopaths. They're serial killers. They, they, they do some really dark stuff, some really dark stuff. So it's probably knives out all around, I would say. Yeah, I think so. And don't forget, as, as you let me know this morning, Prince Charles is a direct descendant of Vlad the Impaler. Yeah, and it's which weird. Which is you, Dracula, you told me. Yeah, like, yeah Alex Jones is going on and on about that. And then I, I looked it up, and it's like, not only is it not just a, you know, crazy... Again, Alex Jones is funny, but it's not a crazy thing. <laughs> it's actually, it's true. actually a true thing. And one further ring on the chamois, Prince Charles brags about it. Wow. Brags about it. He, you know, like, and and there there are flavors of Vlad the Impaler. You know, people want to, you know, celebrate him for being an ultra nationalist who who stopped the sort of. Um, Turkic Muslim invasion of Europe single-handedly and blah blah blah. Uh, maybe, um, maybe history's interesting, but uh, the basically the descendant, uh, you know, the embodiment of Dracula from which all of the sort of myths about drinking blood from virgins yeah. and things like that, you know, like they originate from this guy and now we move to this thing where there is this thing creeping through the culture whether it's true or not adrenochrome and children and the you know the uh jimmy seville and the tunnels beneath washington and the franklin thing and stuff like this and i've had people say oh you know adrenochrome doesn't exist i'm like well, yeah, it does exist. You can look it up. I've talked with a scientist about it. I have I have a scientist on a retainer. No, I have a, I have a, <laughs> I have a very heavy hitter scientist uh, who has been to all the big schools and and I, I enjoy his posts and and we've become friends and he advises me on science for my novels and I've I've run things by him. Well, what do you think about this? He's like, oh yeah, adrenochrome's a thing. It, it really the body does make it. He goes, the thing that always bothers me about adrenochrome is he goes, it's not a complex molecule. You, it's, it would be something easy to synthesize. I think when I've read about it, what they try to say is that works somewhat, but not as well as the real thing, theoretically. Right. And then you true. get into the whole the fear thing and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. But you have a very creepy Prince Charles smiling and talking about being a direct descendant of a blood drinker. You have him yesterday um, saying that... that what we have endured for the past two years of totalitarian tyranny at the hands of our government, who we elected to give us life, to protect our lives and our liberties and our pursuits of happiness, everything like that. They were more than willing to immediately trample all over that with no actual legal ability to do so, just to just make decrees and mandates, things that aren't in the Constitution, and then to use that further to usurp, usurp and steal our vote. And there is no denial right now that our freedoms are being held hostage. And you have a man that they flew across the world in violation of their weather cult belief. And they don't believe in it because they did that. 
And they don't care if you... Everybody criticizes them over it, and they don't care because you don't matter to them. Mm -hmm. They don't care about your criticisms. The level of tone deafness is literally French Revolution, pre-French Revolution. Do I think they're going to get away with their grand plan on their own? No. If there are supernatural powers involved, yeah, they might. It might lead to the next sort of endgame, end stage of the world. But if that, if, if this isn't that, I don't think their plan's going to work, and I think they're going to end up in their very own French Revolution moment. And I would say this to a lot of the people on LinkedIn, if you are supporting these people, if you are working with these people who are trying to turn us into slaves and stealing our rights and stealing our money and stealing our economy, you should go look at what happened to the seamstresses and the guards and the footmen in the French Revolution. They got their heads lopped off just as fast as Marie Antoinette. When the mob gets, and this is a warning, I'm not telling you like it's not a threat or anything like that. I'm just telling you historically, look at it. If you're on LinkedIn and you're working for Google and you're working for Apple and you're making these things happen and you're working for these people, when the mob rises and when the mob gets out of control, you will not be spared. They will come after you because it'll be wild. It'll be madness. It'll be a madness like nothing you've ever seen and you won't be able to contain it. They they know it's coming because they've built bunkers. They've built dumbs. You know what a dumb is? Tell they, us. You tell us. I just, I just learned about it. Um, like Deep underground week. military bunker. Yeah. I was like, they wow. have built private things like Peter Thiel down in New Zealand. They're down in the Caribbean. They're, they, they have places where they can go at a moment's notice with private armies. If you're a systems engineer or you're a reporter and you have information and you're not saying it because you've been paid off or you're not saying these things. It's all coming out, whether you like it or not. And if you've been supporting and protecting these people, I'm just I'm just warning you in a very polite, kind, best possible way that I can to save your life and your family's life. When this mob finds out what I think is we're going to find out, which is these people are trying to make slaves of us. You just go read Tale of Two Cities. Go back and, and, you know, even watch the the, the miniseries with Chris Sarandon. <laughs> Hi, I'm actor Chris Sarandon. Maybe you remember me from Fright Night. Um, but just, you know, the seamstresses and the footmen and the lawyers and everybody who made a tone-deaf aristocracy that considered themselves godlike. Remember, uh, the king of France, I think it's Louis XVI at that time, considered himself the sun king considered himself godlike <laughs> nicole in your phone i turned the volume down i don't know why. um considered themselves godlike and and they got their heads cut off and that wasn't enough for robespierre and so then he went after the the nobles and then that wasn't enough and so then he went after the guards that guarded the palace and they stormed the bastille and that when bastille day is in- interestingly enough our Wedding, wedding day, so maybe that's prophetic. <laughs> you know, and then it was the seamstresses. And then, in the end, be warned, the mob came for Robespierre. It was bloodthirsty on the orders of... When it, one of the greatest things about the American Revolution is that it was not as violently bloodthirsty as the French Revolution was. And many people attribute that to Christianity. 
because the American revolution from England was a religious revolution basically governed by a set of morals. The French Revolution was an enlightened, atheistic, reason-based revolution that when there should have been mercy, when there should have been grace, when there should have been forgiveness, when there should have been a need to make things right, this sort of the 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 lack of anchor that that morals provide that morals provide you know sometimes freedom is like it's been likened to this like freedom is is all sail and no anchor and religion or a moral system and it's really judeo-christian ethics gives you that anchor that prevents you from going french revolution well we're now we don't have religion anymore there isn't religion in the united states it's a dirty word i think there's i think there's a revival going on for sure but the church has fallen apart in a lot of ways and betrayed its own people and things like that and so when this mob rises and gets out of hand i think it will be something more akin to the french revolution so that is my warning to the linkedin class be very careful about who you're protecting and supporting and enabling right now because there will come a reckoning and 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 the people who think they're safe are going to find that they weren't safe and that's that's enough said there. I hope you've enjoyed that thing that'll probably get me picked up by the FBI. <laughs> what is our next topica? Um, it was a an article that Mercola had on his uh, email today, and there was an aspect of it that I found interesting, and I read it to you because it had to do with something that you have kind of sort of foretold and talked about it was foretold in the old days when the seas ran red with blood yeah like ever since like all the blm riots yeah, and everything yeah. that were happening last year i remember this one yeah but go on <laughs> go on tell me about my foretelling so you uh you kept saying that i'm trying to remember yeah you were saying because i was like why are they making things like so bad in the cities because the cities are their thing like they're blue and you know whatever and you're like they want to push people out and i'm like i didn't get it like it didn't make sense but you're like it's because then they can rebuild them the way that they want them and right. even like smart cities i think you yeah. were saying is what they would probably want to do yeah basically what i was saying is and it, and it was i was sort of reverse engineering some ideas and and Again, I have made a lot of money off of Amazon doing, you know, what I what I do, which is, you know, digital publishing. And sometimes I'll talk about that story about how I came to that. But it was such a revolution. And, and I'm so grateful for it. And I thank God that, you know, average, you know, nobody writers who would never get a job at a publishing house were able to, like, take their shot in front of the masses and, and be able to write something. And Amazon, you know, made that in their bid to sell toilet paper, let us, you know, dirty, scummy, unread writers put our scribblings up and let the mob vote. And the mob voted and, and we were able to make a living, which is one of the most noble things you can do in society is make a living. Um, so I began to see the death of the American mall. And we began, you know, to see even before the pandemic, the death of Main Street. The middle, the middle class, the high street, you know, the the shops or anything like that, as everything was consolidated into the hands of the megastores, Costco, Walmart, and Amazon, really the the dominant factor. And then I saw policies in L.A. and then in many other cities. And you have to remember, I mean, as much as like 20 years ago, San Francisco was considered like the jewel of the Pacific, 
And now, you know, we know. We know the stories about how bad San Francisco's got. L.A. for single white Medusa and I on the ground, same as. Like, I mean, bad. L.A. is bad. Downtown L.A., bad, bad, dangerous, dirty, violent place where you see things that you can't imagine. And we've lived in New York, too. And that was, you know, and that was in the good days. That was in Mm -hmm. just just post. No, that was Giuliani. That was still Giuliani. It was. Or if not, the next guy was Bloomberg. Bloomberg. Yeah. He kept it fairly yeah. Giuliani-ish, so I don't remember. But as I understand, were. New York is now, you know, trending rapidly out of control mm-hmm. towards, San, like, worse than San, more violent than San Francisco. And L.A., maybe. L.A. is really violent lately. So we saw all these big tech companies sort of begin to create all these products where they really wanted to run your life. So Google Nest and Amazon Ring and, you know, like, let us make a smart house. And I began to do kind of a little bit of reverse engineering. And I, and I said to the Medusa, I said, listen, one day you're going to see these dead malls that are not being torn down. Those dead malls are rarely being torn down. They're just kind of still having, like, not very great stores and kind of keeping the lights on. You're going to see Amazon and... I say, and Amazon is actually acquiring malls right now. Um, but I think you're going to see Google and, and other things acquire them. And what they're going to do is they're going to be housing centers now. As in, think of it more like a mall for houses. And so you'll go to that mall and you'll you'll you know walk in one entrance and you'll be scanned and given credit apps and you know like very easy, smart, fun, friendly, upbeat process. And you'll be given a scanning gun. You know, or probably you'll use your guns are too violent, but you use your camera. But the gun is fun because like people like that. People just like like to press the trigger and and you will go through the first section of the mall, which has been redesigned uh, for housing. And you will build your house using your scanning gun and your smart tablet to your specifications. And then you will begin to go through the rest of the mall, which will be display furniture, um, probably even clothing, all the things to furnish the house and to live in the house. Um, and then towards the end of the mall, you'll actually see the insurance portions, the life insurance. And then the last one will be vacations. Because if you just bought a house, it's really hard to have it. You know, it's tough buying a house. Like they say that like buying a house ends more marriages than, than like many things, wow. like maybe even adultery. But um, what I'm trying to say is, Google and Amazon and all these big tech companies like Apple and things like that will be getting into, and even Facebook will be getting into housing. And what they're attempting to do right now, hand in hand with really scumbag government officials, you know, like Via Ragosa and Garcetti and things like that, um, is to destroy and and uh, Chesa Boudin, you know, or London, London breed. San Francisco has some weirdly named people. I've never even heard of that yeah, person. That's the mayor, London Breed. Wow. Chesa Boudin is the, uh, it's just, it's just insane. So they're working with these people hand in hand to sort of destroy the city mm-hmm. because the cities are old. Like, and this is something that I would, I would have actually said, I wish kind of corporations had done it and, and paid people fair market value for the land. And, you know, but they're, they're sort of, this is more the five year master plan thing that they love about communism. And so what they're going to do is they're going to make these areas of the the country so unlivable that they're allowed to buy and rake large portions of them. We saw the rise of imminent domain. I think they'll even use fire. And now we're going to find out today riot 
to basically destroy these areas and then to and if you've read like control alt revolt i've talked about it you know just hinted at it but like they're then going to build like we'll just use this as the joke name but it, it could be this the the hillary clinton micro sprawl and so your pod housing that you you designed you know that'll look really cool and everything like that with your gun It'll be built here, and your houses will be furnished, and all your stuff will be delivered by Amazon, and you will move into a brand new house ready to go um, in these areas that where they are now. Like, and you have to remember, data is everything, and so these houses will all be about constantly collecting your data. We read an article early on um, about how data, you know, like. You know, and the checking your your pulse and your feces and, you know, oh, you're you're low on this and the smart mirror like mm-hmm. this is this is ultimately, you know, where they want to go. And right now what they're in the phase of is making everything sad. So, like, it's something that I encounter a lot when I look back towards the 80s and, you know, like uh, lately I've been looking at old uh, on uh, on um, Instagram. I'll look at like. Miami Vice pictures because mm-hmm. Miami Vice was really cool and like the level of like cars and um, the clothing yeah it's all outdated it's all 80s but man it looked so slick and so polished and you you ha- you know if you didn't live then or, or you can't remember like it was such a commercial force like it changed the culture guys I remember they were selling razors that that gave you three-day growth so that you could have the Don Johnson look and you look back at Don Johnson he's like great looking and the cars and the clothing and it's it's really interesting and then that show was really MTV meets that's how it was sold to the network um it's an it's MTV meets a cop show a detective show that's all they had and they're like okay they greenlit it right there wow and an interesting thing that i found out is that you can't even watch the original episodes of Miami Vice as they were presented anymore. That's weird. Because the music rights ran out. Oh. So they had to pull the original music, which was great. It was very, like, very stylized and everything like that. And and then they've kind of added new, cheaper stuff that makes it seem really crappy. Oh. Were there, like, a lot of synthesizers in the original one? That's how I imagine it. But I don't remember how it was. Well, uh... Uh, this, the theme was done by the Beverly Hills Cop guy. Dun, yeah. Dun, 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 dun. So there was, but you would see like Gloria Estefan, you know, Phil Collins, like huge musical acts would provide sort of the, you know, Crockett and Tubbs are driving to the crime scene at three o'clock in the morning, and you know, and you would hear that music. It was it was a very moody, intense show, and because MTV was such a new drug. It just really resonated and sold a lot of albums, made a lot of, and you can't. So, Crazy. anyways, um, I say all that. Why? Um, because we were talking about like the smart housing yeah. and the and the pod housing that so, they're gonna give people. Yeah. And whatnot. Ty, oh yeah, the the sad, the sad factor. Oh, right, yeah. Right. And the sad factor is, and that's just like I was talking about. You know, my and if I'm getting deep in the weeds, I'm sorry. It's it's a long, convoluted plot process, but. Doesn't it feel at times like when you look at the culture now, it's not as good as then? And and I know everybody always says that, but it's like, you know, you go into restrooms. Restrooms aren't clean anymore. They smell horrible. You know, they're they're everything is shittier and crappier. McDonald's isn't better. You know, like and in the 80s, I think we were promised, like I've talked before on this podcast, like and we were talking about Dune yesterday, like 
you thought to yourself when you saw those things back then, oh, imagine how great it will be. And it didn't get greater or better. It actually got worse in a lot of ways. And just like even movie and storytelling, like it's, it's so dumb. It's not even funny. And like, well, we say like, well, is that because people got worse? People got stupider. Well, I don't think they got stupider. They're pretty highly educated now, even compared to then college was not an automatic go-to for people in the eighties. That was, that was for some people. Um, it almost, and again, it goes back to what I've talked about before is, is it, is it, it's a, is it by design or is it an accident? Is it a feature or is it a bug? And I think some people are beginning to say that to bring about this great reset, things are being on purpose, purposely contrived to seem worse in order to push people towards suicide to increase depopulation. And I would say, I see the evidence of that. Oh, yeah. There is a suicide epidemic. Yeah. There, there, there is a dissatisfaction with life. There, the promises have not been met of a better, brighter, you know, future. Instead, the movies that were shown are downbeat. Uh, they're all post-apocalyptic. You like, you can watch almost every movie, and it feels post-apocalyptic. It may not be directly post-apocalyptic, but it doesn't feel like a promise of a brighter, more hopeful future, which I found interesting about dune and that it did in in some ways seem like a like a bigger more grander yes there were struggles and things like that future but it it was interesting um but a lot of like a lot of your science fiction a lot of your 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 uh shows on tv you're all about collapse and downfall and walking dead zombies and surviving you know after the collapse of this and you know what's the show the woke show for this year, the the Y agenda or something like where all the men are dead except oh, one yeah. guy and all the women are trying to find this guy and blah, blah, blah. But it's a, it's an apocalypse. Everything is an apocalypse. There is no, like you go to back to the future and in back to the future, we're promised this like really awesome, you know, rocket board, self-lacing tennis shoe kind of future. And, and that was last year. Wow. I think like that was when, that's when he goes into the future. The I think it was future. 2019 or something oh, like wow. that. Yeah, 2020, whatever it was. It was recently. But is that a bug that things seem so like? And even when I listen to the kids' music now, it's so downbeat. It's so depressing. It's so like, it's you know. And then I'll go and I'll work out and do like 80s music and 80s metal. And even 80s metal is just so like go go go. You know everything's great and it's fun and blah blah blah. And it's like and I think a lot of people have kind of are missing fun. And then I think some people are beginning to believe that there will never be fun again. And then you're confronted with this pandemic of staying home, wearing a mask and, and thinking that somehow you're doing something greater for a society that you're no longer participating in. But then you're confronted with Instagram where all these influencers, despite the pandemic are still on yachts despite the pandemic or still on the red carpet hollywood still having the big thing they're having a great life and you're waiting for the uber driver to show up and deliver your food and hoping they didn't pick their nose like i saw the uber driver doing today on the way to a delivery hey by the way don't have your food delivered just go get it you know you're not gonna die you don't don't tr- don't trust those people. Yeah, <laughs> that's an industry that needs to die. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say all that to say, I mean, what do you think? Like, I mean, I I think it's by design to make the yes. future 
feel worse and for us to feel hopeless to bring about what you know this sort of great reset in which we're offered this mall of wonders in which life can now be redesigned and, and we will feel good. I mean, I won't tell you that the marketing at that mall won't be seductive, that it won't feel like a fresh brand new reset for you, not just for them, but it's all a con because it is to get you to live in the pod. It is to get you to eat the bugs. And as they have said in their own words, you will own nothing and like it. And so when you scan with that gun, you won't be owning any of those things. They'll just be on right. And they'll, they'll sell that to you. Like, and when this is broken, you get to add a new thing. And like, and now you have no money. You have digital dollars and you have 18 months to spend these digital dollars. Okay. I want to go buy a gun today. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't buy guns. You could buy, you could buy a book on um, raising gay children. Mm-hmm. And also they'll be able to take those things away from you whenever they want. Yes. And... Yeah. If the power to give is the power to take. Yeah. Exactly. And so it's, it's an interesting time. Um, but I think, I think the, the big clue was we're told Prince Charles has, has no power. He is ascendant. If you sort of study the cop 26 mark, you know, videos that you can catch today and stuff like that, it was very clearly made that he was a kind of star, that he was a kind of front man. You look at the advertising about the queen and you look at who the players that are coming to bend the knee Jeff Bezos the richest man in the world right now was there and he is shown approaching Prince William in not necessarily a kneel but a clearly Prince William looks like a giant compared to Jeff Bezos hmm. and it's it, it's clear that he is approaching a noble and so when the, when the man who supplied America and destroyed the high street single-handedly and has wiped out businesses and and when you're locked down this summer, he takes his giant Freudian rocket into space, you know, and he dumps stock when he tells you to when, when you guys are all buying stock and things like that. And then that prince who's being debuted gets up and tells you, OK, we've trained the masses to lock down when we we can frighten them and it's given us power now. We're going to apply that to climate change, which is a cult. It's a weather cult. And and it's not enough for him to say that, but he says we have to use it in a military fashion, in a warlike fashion. And this is a global leader. You have to say he's a global leader um, talking about using military force and military style warfare and units and everything like that. And then we look over as you sort of talked about at the beginning of the podcast that our military is is laughable right now it seems Mm -hmm. is is engaging in you know and even today like a lot of the military is being let go is being you know like penalized because they won't get this poison death shot yeah you know they're weakening it yeah there our military is being destroyed while at the same time people who would abrogate our rights are saying it's time to use their military what there have been people of a spiritual nature uh, who have talked about seeing, you know, having visions of seeing UN troops in the forms of Chinese and Russians on the streets of America. Mm-hmm. I would discount that. But then some of the things they said actually came true. Yeah. And so is that in the offing? Is that in the coming? Um, it does seem like they're constantly pushing the populace 
by calling them insurrectionists and terrorists and all these kinds of things to do something while at the same time destroying a military that could actually stand up to us and turning them against us i don't think it's because they don't have a plan i think they have a plan oh yeah for sure this is all by design clearly so we said all that to say one last thing what did that lady say okay so um, yeah. So was. I I said all that about Medusa was saying, hey, you called this a year ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm telling you what I just told you and everything. That's what I theorized. This sort of Amazon mall, the destruction of cities, Amazon getting into development and building these smart cities. Okay. So now here is a, an article that came out yesterday in this lady's comment about it. Yeah. So and the lady that um, is being interviewed, her name is Catherine Austin Fitz, and she is a um, where does it say what she is a financial guru okay so now really quickly it's not very long um just this one little part and so it was the subtitle of it was riots as a real estate acquisition plan and i was like oh that's interesting and i believe she was with the department of housing yeah yeah Yeah, i think it'll say that um in her interview fitz also explains research done by her team that shows the rioting that occurred in 2020 primarily occurred in opportunity zones in cities that have a central bank location. That's the part I thought was really interesting, and she'll, yeah. she's going to go into that a little more. The U.S. Economic Development Administration describes opportunity zones as, quote, an economically distressed community where private investments under certain conditions may be eligible for capital gain tax incentives. Fitz is a bit blunter in her description saying opportunity zones are a tax shelter mechanism that allow wealthy individuals to avoid capital gains tax when selling off stock. By rolling the proceeds over into opportunity zone investments, they can avoid paying capital gains tax. So this is fantastically profitable, she says, adding, when I first saw how all the buildings and businesses were destroyed, that they were right at the bottom of the opportunity zone, I started to laugh and I said, I was assistant secretary of housing. That's not a riot pattern. That's a real estate acquisition plan. Essentially, by shutting down private businesses in the opportunity zones and then looting and literally burning them to the ground in some cases, those businesses and buildings can be bought up for next to nothing. It's called disaster capitalism, Fitz says. Now, 34 of the 37 U.S. cities that have a Federal Reserve bank branch were destroyed by riots. I thought that was crazy. First off, I didn't know the Federal Reserve had various bank branches and how many there were, so that was interesting. But 34 of the 37 cities that have a Federal Reserve bank branch were destroyed by riots. Why is this important? Because now that real estate can be bought on the cheap and be rebuilt with smart technology, a necessity for a well-functioning technocratic system built in. Quote, this makes building out the smart cities around the Federal Reserve banks much cheaper, Fitz explains, which I assume you'll want to do if you're going to come out with a central bank crypto system. Yeah, and a couple of little things. I remember, too, a lot of the people who had their businesses destroyed, their insurance payment, you know, uh, for loss, didn't even cover clearing the property. Wow. And so it, it does, you know, seem, uh, again, not saying I called it and everything like that. It's just like... I was just like, hey, I could see these things going this way and it's really interesting and blah, blah, blah. But now it seems like they're implementing this strategy of modernizing our cities through riots and destruction. But, and you know, I'm not saying, no, not the riot. I'm all for modernizing the cities and I wish there was a more capitalism free market way we could have done this. 
but the way that they're going to do it will have appealing benefits, but it's going to come at the cost of virtual slavery. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Hey, if you enjoyed the podcast today, consider subscribing so that we can keep on doing this. We appreciate the support. Try it out for a month or so. Maybe you'll dig it or just go in at the yearly and we give you a little discount there or the foundational because you really dig it. Whatever you can do, we appreciate that. If not, we're going to keep showing up because it's fun and we love your comments in the comment section. We have a really good time with this podcast and we appreciate um, when you tell us we're doing good and you like it. And also you can criticize us. We're not we're not so immune to that. But I hope that you guys are doing good and I don't lose heart because the truth of the matter is, as someone has said, the propaganda would not be necessary if they were winning. There are more of us. We can do this. And this is the month, I think, where we are going to have to collectively say no. No to the poison death shot. No to giving up our jobs. No to their global tyranny. And today on Tuesday, if you're in Virginia or whatever, go vote. We're saying no to them. There's a chance that we can get this back. There are more of us than them. But we have to say no. My concern is when we say no and when it is loud and received, I do believe that there is a plan to deal with that no. And I do believe that we can overcome that if we hang together. There are less of them than there are of us. And I believe our cause to be righteous. That is the podcast.